you're on a search. Take a step off the path that everyone else follows because they only seem to be heading to no place with mayhem along the way. Remove the blinders that have been placed on you by your friends, your schools, your government, your religion, and most importantly, your prejudices. Remove these barriers. Expand your mind. Take a deep breath and begin. The path is long and winding. It is all the same roads rolled into one. This is the road to the ultimate salvation delivered by knowledge. Knowledge of the truth, the truth of life, the truth of the beginning, and the truth of the end. Join me, the Lone Wolf. I will only point out the directions. You must decide to take the path. It is not easy. The pearls of discovery are immense. Yet the alternative is worse. Those who are faint of heart, turn back now to make room for the others. The path is narrow and only the strong will make it to the end. Which one are you? Bucket, grab the moment with Dave Gregory and ponder tomorrow before you become another piece of the puzzle. Welcome to the Experiment Club. I'm Dave Gregory. And what we're going to be talking about tonight that everyone else follows is going to be... They only seem to be heading to no place. It's going to be a little bit about the latest news. The collapsing of the condo in Miami four days ago. The political hassling that's been going on forever. When we talk about the Experiment Club, whole idea is to get people to think. You have one propaganda machine opposing the other propaganda machine. And you must all know that the truth is only told usually by the, the losers. Winners write the history books. And oftentimes the winners are the bad guys. Let's take for example the biggest con job of them all. The one that will upset the apple card. When you look into the Nibiru and the history of the Anunnaki, they came to planet Earth to get gold for their planet because they use atomized gold particles to try to save their climate. There, they had destroyed their atmosphere. And isn't that ironic? And this is wrote, written on tablets six to ten thousand years old. Talk about history repeating itself. So, 
What? But they're supposed to be back at one time. They're supposed to be back. Uh, but they, they, time is not, it's a concept that man created in uh, the solar system and the planets are on their own schedule. And there are many things that can delay them. In actuality, the Mayans and other civilizations thought they would be here around the year 2000. Uh, that hasn't happened, and it, as it turns out, it's happened before. Uh, one other time when they were supposed to have come, uh, they were 50 years late getting here. The talk is now that they should be here sometime around 2030. Of course, they're probably, you know, they are already here, but uh, they've uh, entered our solar system, and uh, it's a constellation of the planets, the Nibiru and and their satellites that go around their planet, uh, their their dwarf star, red dwarf star, that can only be seen by a infrared telescope. And that's why the Vatican has a telescope on one of our mountains here in the, in the United States, one of our mountain ranges. As we speak, I'm trying to look it up. Man. What, what we come up with here is... Okay, the Vatican Observation Research Group operates a 1.8 million LSB linen telescope with its Thomas J. Bannon Astrophysics Facility, known together as the Vatican Advanced Technology Telescope, at the Mount Graham International Observatory in southwestern Arizona where sky conditions are among the best in the world, and certainly the continental United States. So, the Vatican has her uh, infrared telescope. They're looking for Nibiru. It's also called the, uh, the winged, the winged, um, Uh, crusader the winged nemesis no the winged nemesis and uh, that's because as it travels through our solar system to get here it picks up a lot of stragglers along the way and when you look through your telescope to see it you'll see uh, it has like wings uh, that are around the orbiting red dwarf star and that uh, that's how it gets its name the winged nemesis so it comes around approximately every 3600 years 
and uh, some, you know, it's been here thousands of times. The Earth has gone through five extinction uh, anthropology, and that is proven by anthropology, and there have been five extin extinction events over the the millennials that have the Earth has been around. So, whether or not, uh, you know, not everyone is, uh, when it goes by, is not always uh, devastating. But one of the times it went by, it called the uh, deluge, the flood that flooded the whole Earth. And uh, here we have it. Here, uh, In this period of time, uh, there are people who are becoming enlightened and they're going to uh, yeah, say we're ready for the, the new re renaissance. Are we ready for the new renaissance? They're stepping into the darkness in order to come out and see the light. Will we see the light? Uh, we don't know. We can only speculate. There are a lot of uh, strange happenings going on. But the, the humanity has always been conspiratorial. In fact, the United States' whole existence as it was a result or is a result of a conspiracy. The Boston Tea Party, the Minutemen, the George Washington and the Revolutionary Army, they all conspired to get out of the uh, King George of Great Britain rule. That was a conspiracy. So our whole existence is based upon a conspiracy to get our freedom. And we've gotten it to what extent every day it seems to dwindle down because we're too blasé about rights being taken away from us on a daily basis. And uh, the more cameras they have out there, the more uh, acronyms involved in our government, the big bureaucracy that uh, George Bush and his cohorts, cohorts uh, produced because of 9-11. And that's all out there, keeping its eyes and ear, ears open. But in all likelihood, they'll never catch an, anything of any importance. Uh, by the time the, until they, at least not until the AI becomes sophisticated enough on its own that it could pick it up out of the millions and billions and trillions of recorded uh, conversations had over phones, uh, listening devices, uh, an AI would have to be intelligent enough to decipher all the information and to ultimately come up with a, the conclusion that something bad is going to happen. But there's always a possibility, as Stephen Hawkins has warned us about, the astrophysics from uh, England, who's a paraplegic, 
who passed away a few years ago. He was afraid that, that the AI would become uh, so capable. It might actually think it could do a better job and be better off without us. And uh, it's quite often uh, TV shows seem to follow the pathway of uh, our reality. And uh, this uh, Battlestar Galactica uh, sci-fi uh, uh, show the the newer one well that 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 was uh maybe 10 15 years ago maybe a little longer but uh, that was a point where the artificial intelligence actually uh came out and uh wanted to eliminate mankind so it's going to be uh who's going to pick the short straw in this uh, this world we're living in, but uh, let's look at the uh, let's look at the Miami complex and its uh, condo that went down. And Ion Citrus has a little article that was updated today, and it's basically. Uh, that condo came down in much the same way as the Twin Tower and even the mayor of uh, Surfside said it reminded him of the Twin Towers. That complex is only 12 stories but it's not, nothing compared to the towers but it fell in a pancake and within 30 seconds you had half of it went down in two layers the inner layer first and then the outer layer so and the the big kicker there's a, a video of it on ioncitrus.com and it was updated today and uh, the thing is uh, what they talked about today uh, there was a fire in that in that uh, condo that was still burning, still burning four days later. Uh, happened on the twenty fourth. It's longer than four days, I think. But anyway, days later, it's still burning. They said they were finally getting it under control. If anybody remembers the towers, that same thing happened at the towers. And of course, most concluded that that was uh, the thermite that they used to cut the, uh, the steel girders. And we can rest assured that there wasn't that type of uh, sophistication, at least as far as the girders in this uh, condo. But yet, there, a normal fire would not have lasted four days and longer, still smoldering. And you have about a three-story pile of rubble, uh, very similar to the, the remains of 9-11 uh, Twin Towers, which was much bigger. But they cleaned all that evidence out of there pretty fast. They didn't want to leave it there very long for uh, in-depth analysis. 
and uh, whether or not uh, what Miami's going to do, it's anybody's guess. But in all likelihood, they're never going to reveal what really happened. Uh, if you look up, try to Google any any how many skyscrapers have fallen in the history of the world. Uh, you won't find any. They don't fall. So, and this will be the only the second one that has just given out. If you look up, you know, construction projects that have fallen down, there are a lot of a lot of them. There are bridges. You know, there's uh, uh, all kinds of construction, but the skyscrapers generally they stand, and uh, the new ones are even built to uh, whether or not they'll uh, stand when the end comes. Uh, probably not. I don't think nothing will stand, but it will be uh, uh, as of now. Uh, the only uh, skyscraper that uh, I have fall, uh, fell uh, had, had found, uh, in fact, I found it years ago. I think it might have been in Spain, but it didn't actually it didn't crumble. Uh, it, it, the top part, which had been burning for weeks, uh, actually kind of just broke off and fell over sideways in one piece. And that, uh, you know, that's not much, uh, you know, usually, uh, usually the simplest answer to a problem is the correct one. And, of course, uh, the diversionary tactics that happened on the Twin Towers and the planes or whatever it was that flew into them, uh, uh, that was strictly a diversion for the real... Uh, explosions that were gonna take place but anyway here we stand and the merry-go-round goes round and round and now we're going to try to find the uh, stories about the Alamo which uh, in this area of uh, writing um, about conspiracy and winners usually write the write the stories of the history. Well, it seems that that's the case for the Alamo too, and we're trying to pull it up here now. We've been telling the Alamo story for wrong for nearly 200, 200 years. And now it's time to correct the record. And this is why it's important to uh, learn history and actually come down and research it so that we know what the truth is. We do that in order not to repeat ourselves and not to repeat history. That is what it's all about. And, uh, if, uh, let's imagine 
uh, if the United States were to open interior Alaska for colonization and for whatever reason thousands of Canadian settlers poured in establishing their own towns hockey rinks and Tim Hortons stores when the United States insists they follow American laws and pay American taxes they refuse when the government tries to collect taxes they shoot and kill American soldiers. When law enforcement go after the killers, the colonists, backed by Canadian financing and mercenaries, take up arms and open revolt. As an American, how would you feel? Now you can imagine how Mexican President De uh, Santa Ana would have felt in 1835 because that's pretty much the story of the revolution that paved the way for Texas to become its own nation and ultimately 10 years later an American state. If that's not the version of history you're familiar with you're not alone. The version most Americans know the heroic Angelo narrative that has held sway for over or nearly 200 years holds that the American colonists revolted against Mexico because they were oppressed and fought for their freedom a narrative that has been soundly rebutted, rebutted by 30 plus years of academic scholarship but the many myths surrounding Texas birth especially those cloaking the fabled 1836 siege at the Alamo Mission in San Antonio remains cherished in the state. Even as the nation is undergoing a sweeping reassessment of its racial history and despite decades of academic research that casts the Texas Revolt and the Alamo Siege in a new light, Little of this has permeated the conversation in Texas. Start with the Alamo. So much of what we know about the battle is provably wrong. William Travis never drew any line in the sand. This was a tale concocted by an amateur historian in the late, teen, in the late 1800s. There is no evidence David Crockett went down fighting as John Wayne famously did in his 1960 movie The Alamo, a font of misinformation. There is ample testimony from Mexican soldiers that Crockett surrendered and he along with the other handful of men that surrendered uh, that day were executed and this was on the news just a year or two ago when uh, when more uh, Span Spanish uh, historical records were recovered they were executed they were all gathered in the room and the Mexican uh, soldiers took their swords out and stabbed them all to death the battle in fact should have never have been fought 
Travis ignored multiple warnings of Santa Ana's approach and was simply trapped in the Alamo when the Mexican army arrived. He wrote some dramatic letters during the ensuing siege. It's true, but how anyone can attest to the defenders' bravery is beyond us. The men at the Alamo fought and died because they had no choice. Even the notion they fought to the last man turns out to be untrue. Mexican accounts make clear that as the battle was being lost, as many as half the Texan defenders fled the mission and were run down and killed by Mexican lancers. Now I disagree that uh, I don't disagree with the facts. I disagree uh, that so, you know the ones that stayed there. I mean they might didn't they didn't have any choice, but I mean they did fight. They didn't abandon their post. That not taking away from the article. Nor is it all clear that the Alamo defenders bought time for Sam Houston to raise that uh, the army that eventually defeated Santa Ana at the Battle of San, Cint uh, San Cinto the following month. Santa Ana told, had told Mexico City he expected to take San Antonio by March 2nd. He ended up doing so on March 6th. In the end, the siege at the Alamo ended up costing him all of four days, meaning the Alamo defenders, far from being the valiant defenders who delayed Santa Ana, pretty much died for nothing. So why does any of this matter? What's the harm in Texan simply embracing a myth? Census data indicates that the Latinos are poised to become a majority of the Texan population any year now. And for them, the LMO has long been viewed as a symbol of Anglo oppression. The fact that many Texas Latinos allied with the Americans and fought and died alongside them at the Alamo has generally been lost to pop popular history. The Latinos, uh, Texas Latinos' key contribution to early Texas were written out of almost all early Anglo-authored histories, much as Anglo-Texan ran the La Latino-Mexican doubt of San Antonio, much of, so uh, of South Texas after the revolt. For too long, the revolt has been viewed by many as a war fought by all Anglos against all of Mexican descent. If you're looking at the Alamo as a kind of state religion, this is the original sin, says San Antonio art historian Ruben Cordova. We kill Davy Crockett. It's a lesson many Latinos in the state don't learn until mandatory Texas history classes taught in seventh grade. The way I explain it, says Andre Terragina, a retired history professor in Austin, is Mexican Americans in Texas are brought up, even in the first grade, singing the national anthem and the Pledge of Allegiance and all that. And it's not until the seventh grade that they single us out as Mexicans. And from that point on, 
you realize you're not an American, you're a Mexican, and always will be. The Alamo story takes good, solid, loyal little American kids and converts them into Mexicans. And Mexican-American history isn't the only piece of the past that's distorted by the Alamo myth. Academic researchers, researchers long tiptoed around the issue of slavery in Texas. Active research didn't really begin until the 1980s. Since then, scholars such as Randolph Campbell and Anger Torget have demonstrated that slavery was a single issue that regularly drove a wedge between early Mexican governments, dedicated abolitionists all, and the American colonists in Texas, many of whom had immigrated to farm cotton, the province's only cash crop at the time. His correspondence shows conclusively that Stephen F. Austin, the so-called father of Texas, spent years jousting with the Mexican city bureaucracy over the necessity of enslaved labor to the Texas economy. Nothing is wanted but money, he wrote in a pair of 1832 letters, and Negroes are necessary to make it. Each time a Mexican government threatened to outlaw slavery, many in Austin's colony began packing to go home. In time, as we know now, they put away their suitcases and brought out their guns. This, by and large, is not the Texas history many of us learned in school. Instead, we learned a tale written by Anglo historians beginning in the 19th century. What happened in the past can't change, but the way we view it does, and as a state and a country, now is the time to teach the next generation our history not our miss and a couple of other uh this is and this really uh, fits in with uh, what's going on today and his discussions about teaching the real history and uh on a little lighter note um uh, phil collins a british singer for a rock group from great britain who lives in Texas, has bought in all kinds, he's a big uh, uh, enthusiast for the Alamo story, and uh, he had bought all kinds of artifacts from the siege of the Alamo, the guns, uh, the powder, uh, powder bag, powder horns uh, the, of uh, Davy Crockett, and he had paid a lot of money for uh, all of these historical items. And although they might not be held in the same esteem after the truth is revealed, uh, the, the artifacts in of themselves are, are important. Uh, uh, Davy Crockett was a congressman, I believe, when he was died at the Alamo. And, uh, and of all persons, uh, the opposite end of the spectrum, we have another uh, rock singer, Ozzy, Os Ozzy Osbourne, Osbourne uh, of the yeah, rock star that sang throughout the 70s, 80s, 90s probably, famous for biting off the heads of a parrot or in his act, doing a lot of cra you know, uh, crazy things that over time 
became acceptable or whatever, and there were a lot of crazy things being done. But he was on tour of Texas, and he was uh, uh, going to have a going to have a concert in San Antonio, and Sharon, his wife, uh, knew that uh, Ozzy did every day. First thing he would get up, start drinking as soon as he got out of bed. So in her efforts to try to keep him uh, a little a uh, little bit sober for some period of time, she would she hid his clothes one day. So when he got up, he didn't have any clothes to put on. He put on one of her dresses, went outside, and still uh, still being hungover, he stopped to take a uh, a, a pee on the uh, pee, and he was happened to be peeing on the wall. Anyway, when somebody passed by, he said, "Oh, you disgusting man! You, you are so disgusting, and uh, I can't believe you're doing that." And Ozzy thought he was being the drunkard that he was. He thought the man was referring to him standing there in a uh, in a dress, uh, taking a, a whiz. So, uh, no, no, it wasn't that. He was peeing on the wall of the Alamo. In fact, he was peeing on the statue that had been erected to uh, commemorate the Alamo, a 60-foot tall statue. But uh, there you have the two ends of the extreme. And uh, you had the collector and Ozzy. And then uh, in the middle out came the truth. So as we explore history, remember uh, history is is often repeated, uh, not because we want to, because we don't learn any lessons from it. And uh, there's some history that's uh, such as Nibiru, we have no control over, at least not yet, and. Uh, those out there that uh, that don't follow uh, Zachariah Shitchkin's uh, 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 articles on it, uh, his books, Earth Chronicles, I think he's the most noteworthy uh, scholar. There have been made some additional discoveries uh, from the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls, which were came after much after the uh, events of uh, Nibiru and the Anunnaki, but actually do uh, clear up a, uh, they are retelling of the same stories. And they actually were referred to uh, with the stereographic photography equipment of what's available today. They were able to take uh, pictures of the Dead Sea Scrolls and with enough clarity to gather the information that had before not been revealed. Uh, and it turns out that the, uh, the the Noah's Ark in many ways resembled a pyramid. Uh, the way that the, the uh, timbers, supposed the timbers, according to the scroll, came together at the top. Uh, Made a pretty uh, uh, would have been much of much like a pyramid shape, and a lot of uh, 
people uh, believe that uh, the Noah was uh, he was one of the Nephilim's offsprings. Uh, they came down and had uh, intercourse with the, the humanity of the women that they created. And that's why some of these uh, people of the Bible lived to such uh, long ages. I think Moses was supposed to have lived 500 years. Uh, not no Moses, but it might have been Moses, but I'm referring to actually Noah now. Noah with the ark. He lived, uh, was an offspring of a Nephilim. Uh, and uh, he lived about 500 years. And the Anunnaki lived a long, long time that you could consider them gods because uh, they appear to be Im more immortal. In fact, they lived uh, one, one or two. Uh, the book of the, uh, the Anunnaki who held reign over uh, Lord, Lord of the Earth it was a couple hundred thousand years, so uh, I'm not quite sure how that works out. It might have something to do with their long orbit. They're going around their little uh, little uh, solar system around their red dwarf star, which in essence is moving through our solar system all the time. And uh, that, as it comes around, uh, may have something to do with them uh, uh, living longer lives, but I also think their biological uh, makeup is is that that when they did uh, create humanity, they uh, were instructed. Uh, and here's the ultimate con job, guys. This is the ultimate con job. They were instructed. Uh, the the one that created humanity was Enki, E N K I. Him and his wife. Uh, there were biolo uh, biologists, and the story that the not the story, but the facts surrounding why this came about was the original astronauts that landed in the Persian Gulf, and uh, went on to dig uh, gold mines in the in Africa. Uh, they did it for like they ten thousand years, and these astronauts got they got tired of that. They revolted, and uh, Lord Inky and a group of the royalty wanted to execute them. And Inky and his Inky and his wife said, "No, no, we we can come up with a solution to that problem. We can come up with a hybrid. We can." Uh, uh, we can breed some of the local population with, with uh, our 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 DNA, and uh, artificially uh, uh, inseminate them. And and what they did was a long story short, they uh, did that and they put the egg into their women, <clears throat> and the women gave birth. And according to what where what country you hear this narrative at from. It's uh, every every nation of the uh, country in the world has their own narrative of the same of the same circumstances in in their particular region how they interpret interpreted their findings, but uh, in India they had seven virgins that gave birth, and the main thing about the beginning they had problems. They had problems in the 
down the get-go. <clears throat> they did create, they call them Adamu. A-D-A-M-U. <clears throat> Excuse me, very close to Adam, would you say? Uh, but the problem with the first, uh, the first, it took them a long time to get this right, probably 50,000, 100 years uh, before they got it right and that they, uh, the main thing they couldn't achieve, they, they could not make the, their creations, they were like clones at first. They could not get them to be able to have uh, offsprings. They were sterile. So it took them a long time to solve that problem. I don't know if they, I ever came across what they called the female, although they did say they they took it from the DNA of the male, uh, um, the RNA, um, what is the RNA? That's the female um, attribute, which in, in today's uh, COVID, uh, vaccination uh, some of their vaccinations I think Moderma uses the RNA uh, to uh, write out write out the DNA to uh, inhi inhibit uh, uh, COVID-19 from being so easily passed on um, in, in conclusion and we brought that we tied this into COVID I wanted to let y'all know that today being Sunday the 27th of um, of June and it was also noted in the news today the World Health Organization suggested that everybody continue wearing their masks especially traveling because of the variant D I believe it is and as I see, I didn't bring anything to uh, pin, uh, quench my thirst. It would be a good time to say good night before I start hacking. And I wish all of you a better day and a good week this coming week. And uh, stay dry. This is uh, Dave Gregory. This is the Experiment Club. And... Come back, promote our website, donate to our website, uh, the experiment.club. Our podcast is on, uh, are on many platforms, including Spotify, Ca uh, Castbox. They're on uh, Apple. It's on Apple. It's on Amazon Music. We could use uh, help meet our expenses would be greatly appreciated. A buck ninety nine a month. <coughs> Pardon me. Don't forget. Uh, you want to learn the truth, you got to dig for it. You got to step in the darkness to learn the truth. And you might not always like it, but at least you. Know where you stand in the great scheme of things. So we'll catch you all next time. And uh, adios amigos. This is it. No pun intended. God bless the United States. And amen. We're out of here. <laughs>